Welcome to the Hope Church Port St. Lucie Sermon of the Week. We pray you enjoy this message by Pastor Justin Gaston. For more information about Hope Church and other resources, please visit IamHope.Church. Verse 10 through 13 says, Finally, my brethren, be weak in the Lord. What does it say? Just making sure y'all up now. Be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you, not him. So who's the armor of God for? Somebody say me. That you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole arm. He says it twice in there. So it must be important, huh? Must be something I need to do every day. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand the evil day and having done all to stand the evil day. God, we thank you this morning uh, that we will never be the same. We thank you right now for the revelation of your word, God, that will transform our minds like never before God we thank you right now that every assignment the enemy has open to this point of our lives God that today is counseled now in Jesus name God that every fiery dart has been reversed in the name of Jesus Christ God we thank you for the person of the Holy Spirit being inside of here we pray that our hearts are saturated and prepared just to hear your voice God we love you we honor you so in Jesus name we pray amen I'm gonna preach some matches on um, ungodly soul ties and how to break them. It's something that's not mentioned much in churches today, but we're going to talk a little bit about it today, all right? That's cool with y'all? Can I teach today? Is that okay? Make some notes if, that okay, if that's okay with you. Heaven, when you take notes, all right? So you need to have your notepad out and your pen because you get first-class seats to heaven when you take notes, all right? Just so you know that. Y'all didn't know that, did you? I'm dropping bars already, all right? But Ephesians 6.10 says, he says, that, he says that we do not struggle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against power. So we're not, we're not fighting flesh and blood. We're not fighting people. Our struggle is not against that, which means that I could be fighting something with the wrong weapon. I feel like a lot of times that we stay in our present situations because we're fighting with the wrong tools. Or we don't understand the way we're supposed to fight. Paul, Paul clearly says that our struggle, our battle, our fight is not against flesh and blood. You're mad at that person, but that person is not the problem. It's the spirit behind that person. And so when you learn how to fight, you learn how to win. You watch Kung Fu Panda this past what, Wednesday night. Everybody come to, to the movie night. Praise God. We had a good time. Y'all missed it. Y'all didn't come. Popcorn, 30 inch out there in the nice Florida weather. But one thing, you know me, I'm a pastor. I get revelation from everything. I find out the panda couldn't defeat the monster in the natural realm. He had to fight him in the spiritual realm in order to win. And a lot of times we find ourselves trying to win spiritual battles with natural weapons. Like cussing them out, going to get you something. <laughs> Doesn't do anything. Paul says that we, that we struggle not against flesh and blood. And so, so for, for, for so long that you're going to continue spiritual battles with natural weapons. How long are we going to continue to use social media as a thing to overcome racism? <laughs> that every time there's a police shooting, we go to social media. 
and we're trying to voice our, I'm not saying don't speak about something, but we understand that we can't win a spiritual, because racism is a spiritual thing. We can't win a spiritual battle over social media. Every time something goes crazy in America, we turn to our flesh and our blood. But the Bible says that the prayers of the righteous availeth much. And so it's the prayers of, of the righteous that, that changes things inside of America. I don't care who's president because I have a prayer life. <laughs> Anybody thankful for your prayer life this morning? Put your hands together if you're thankful for your prayer life. So, so, but there's something I want to point out because, because Paul exposes something in here. He says, that, he says that, that we're fighting against something that are in principalities. So what he does is that he exposes to us that there is another dimension beyond what you see right now. Understand that there is a spiritual warfare happening that you can't see above your head. Why? Because he says that, that, that we are fighting against things in heavenly places. Taking notes. The Bible tells us in Hebrew chapter 4, verse 14, seeing we have a great high, high priest who has passed through the heavens. And so, which clearly points out to me that there is a heaven. If I believe in heaven this morning, I hope you do not because you want to go to heaven one day. You want to hear, we're not real because you shouldn't be in this chair right here. But anybody that loved God, you got saved because you want to go to heaven one day. You want to hear, well done. So Paul says that there is a heaven. Matter of fact, we have three heavens. You're taking notes. Because he says, in the beginning, God created the heavens, not the heavens and the earth. And so there is more than one heaven. Write these down. Write these down. I'm teaching this, all right? Can I teach? Teaching, right? All right, so watch this, watch this. And so we have the atmosphere heaven, which is the sky, which you see at nighttime. We have the celestial heaven, that's space and all that stuff. And we have the heavens of heavens, where God lives. You got that? So we got three heavens. And so it's important to understand that the atmosphere of your life will dictate the heaven you live in. Your, the atmosphere of your life matters because the Bible says that things come into heaven first. They come through your spirit first. And so when you get in the right atmosphere, you hear thoughts you would have never heard in the wrong atmosphere. That's why atmosphere is so important as believers. That's why you can't put everything inside your spirit because when you begin to do that, you begin to pervert the atmosphere of your life. But when you get inside the right atmosphere, the right ideals drop. Some of you are one idea away from being a millionaire, but you haven't got in the right atmosphere. The atmosphere of your life will change everything about what God wants to release inside of you. Atmosphere is so important. It matters what you put inside your spirit before they started listening to that. And so something to watch because they weren't acting the way they were acting before they started watching that, before they started listening to that. And so something, something had to change their behavior. I'm going to tell you what it was. They allowed something inside their atmosphere. And whatever you allow in your atmosphere brings down the thing that it gives birth to. And so if I allow God inside my atmosphere, the Bible says that every good and perfect thing comes down from above. And so when I want good and perfect thing inside my life, I have to produce the right atmosphere. Woo! Coming this morning. Atmosphere is so important. One thought away. This, this speaker was in somebody's atmosphere. And they brought it out. And it manifested something. Some of us are one idea away from our family being saved, the right atmosphere is so important. So Paul says, hey, there is something bigger than what you see right now. Y'all say that, say there's something bigger than what I see this morning. 
your actions are rooted inside your thoughts. Your thoughts come from your atmosphere. And so I can tell how your atmosphere is based off how you are acting. <laughs> I said your actions are rooted inside your thoughts, and your thoughts come from your atmosphere. And so I can tell what kind of atmosphere you're living in based off how you're acting. Because the Bible says that as a man thinketh, so <laughs> as a man thinketh, so is he. And so when your atmosphere will always control how you act. That's why you can't say you're trying to live holy but put yourself in an atmosphere where you got John Legend, it's your actions. And so if you're trying to keep in the back seat, I don't care how safe you are, your atmosphere is always going to produce your actions. And so if you're trying to keep yourself holy and pure to God, you got to get yourself in a holy and pure atmosphere. I'm going to move on. Y'all ain't ready for that Campbell suit this morning. And so one thing that's prevalent in the invisible world that we don't talk about enough is soul ties. God has me here on the assignment. I know there's an assignment today to speak about soul ties. I felt this so strong this morning to talk about soul ties. Write this down. Write this down. A soul tie is a bonding of one soul to a place or a person. A soul tie is the binding of one soul to a place or a person. It's an invisible bridge that allows things to transfer, transfer from one person to another. It's the binding of one person's soul I need some help with this. Come here, here. Some help. We get that rope, Pop. Get that rope. Get that rope. Get that rope. Get that rope. You good? I don't need you to tie this around you. Y'all all right? Tie this around you. It's a nice little belt. Not too much. Need a little slack. Any, any ladies in here want to volunteer to be tied to Ish? <laughs> Thank you. Just an illustration, y'all. I need you to tie this around. A soul tie is? Let you work that. So what I say, a soul tie is, is a binding of one soul, one soul to a place or person. All right? It's an invisible bridge that allows things to transfer from one person to another. Now, how... Our soul ties form. One way is through the covenant of marriage, through the exchanging of vows. That's why the Bible says in Ephesians 3, Ephesians 5, 31 says, For this reason a man shall leave his family. You're breaking a soul tie because you were connected to your family. Parents, and be joined, you're starting a new one, to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. When it says become one flesh, that's the binding of souls. And so, come here, come here, come here. And they shall become one flesh. And now their souls are connected to each other through the covenant of marriage. Y'all got that? Through the covenant of marriage. Now watch this, watch this. Mark 10 and 8 says that what God joined together, let no man separate. Which means that man should have nothing to do with what God joined you together with. I'm trying to tell some married people to keep other folks out your business because... Because man has ne what, what God joined together, let man. He didn't say, let man. Don't, don't get involved with it. And so, but th that tells me, that tells me that when there is a marital covenant happening and your souls are connected, even though you get divorced in your flesh, your soul is still tied up. And so, and so even though, over here, far as you can go. Far as you can go, far as you can go. And so, and so even though you've gotten divorced, your soul is still connected. That's why you still act like him and you're still crazy because 
<laughs> because your soul, your soul is still connected. Now, let's look at Judges 14. I want to show you how we're going to illustrate it this morning. Judges 14. Um, we're going to start at verse 14, but I want to talk a little bit about this, this, this story. I want to put it into perspective for you. Samson goes down into the city called Timnah. Now, the city called Timnah means forbidding, and he's looking for a wife. He goes to a city called Forbidding, and he's looking for a wife. Now, that should be the first warning sign that you should not look for anything in a city called Now, imagine going to Match.com. You, you type in Fort Pierce. No, no. You, you type in, no. I want to go to Forbidding and find somebody to match. That's what he does. He goes to a city that's been identified as forbidding and he sees this Philistine woman and he asked his, he told his parents that's the woman I want right there and his parents asked him hey now you know God said we ain't supposed to fool with them because they are crazy and you know that the moment that we get with them we start to act like them because you may think you're strong until you get in a environment of sin for a very long time as I'm trying to help somebody feel like you can change that man or you can change that woman just because. And so God told his people, don't get inside that environment. What's on them? It's going to start to come upon you. And so God told his people, don't fool with the fooling, with the feeling styles because they're going to teach you their ways. But Samson says, hey, I want her anyway. He rejects the wisdom of his parents. I put it on Facebook yesterday that there used to be a day when, when your parents told you something about the person that you were dating that it mattered that you value that wisdom. And let me tell the older generation, regardless of how selfish this generation looks, we need your wisdom. We got to get the mothers and the fathers back inside the church. We got to stop being so selfish when it comes from this generation to this generation and start helping each other out because we need that kind of wisdom back inside the church. And young people, we need to listen more to the wisdom God has given other people because they've walked through some things we haven't walked through before. And so his parents tries to save him from a situation, but, but, but he does it anyway. Gets connected to this woman anyway. I had my grandmother pray somebody out of my life before. I had a real talk. Don't laugh, because she knows who I'm talking about. She was like, hey, come here real quick. Sit down. Uh, this girl you're dating, we're going to pray her out your life. Like, what? How you going to tell me you're going to pray my girlfriend out of my life? That's what she did, and it happened. Thank God it did. But she literally told me, I'm going to pray her out your life because, but guess what? I value her wisdom. I value the fact that she heard from God and that she's seen some things I've never seen before. But Samson rejects that. He's throwing this wedding up. He gets his woman in the way. And while he's throwing this wedding, now back in the day, a wedding lasted a week. Samson balling. It ain't just like Saturday, 4 o'clock p.m. You know, black people always thought they wouldn't at 4 o'clock p.m. Just enough time to be on time. But Samson has his wedding all week, bowling. Philistines show up like, yo, what's Samson at? He, he in the back playing space. What's Samson at? He's like, what y'all want? He's like, man, you came in our city, took our woman. Because you, know you know how it is that she's been there the whole time, but you haven't seen it until somebody else got her. You know how it is sometimes when, 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 when you're not valued the way you should be valued until somebody else got you. Now, now they want to act like they ain't never seen you before. So, so hey, Samson, you took our woman. He's like, man, what you talking about? He says, guess what? This is what I'll do. So I thought he was about to fight right here. I'm going to tell y'all a riddle. What? I'm going to tell you a riddle. So, so 
he gives them this riddle. Now, let's go to verse 14. Let's read this. And so he said to them, out of the eater came something to eat. Out of the strong came something sweet. Now, for three days, they could not explain this riddle. Your riddle is like your anointing. <laughs> People on the outside can understand it. But this is what Samson does. He plays with his anointing. Let me tell some people that this is not the time in your life in America, especially to be playing with your anointing. Because what they, if I can take your anointing, I can take everything that's your God-given strength. Because if I can take your anointing, I can take your strength. If I can take your anointing, I can take everything that belongs to you. And so he plays around with his anointing. He gives them a riddle. He says, I'm going to give you seven days to figure it out. They couldn't figure it out. Verse 15. Watch what happens. But it came to pass on the seventh day that they said to Samson's wife, entice your husband that he may explain the riddle to us and, and else, or else we will burn you and your father's house with fire. Have you invited us in order to take what is ours? Is that not so? And watch what she does. Watch what this one I want to point out. Verse 16, then Samson's wife wept on him and said, you only hate me. She victimized herself. Be careful of people that victimize themselves because you're a follower of Jesus. Be careful of people that victimize themselves because of your anointing. Be careful of people that says, hey, we just, because this is what happened every single time. Someone that's serving God, that loves God, that's serving inside of a church. Every time they get inside of a relationship, they go to their leaders and say, hey, I'm too busy right now. What's starting to happen? They're beginning to pull you away from your devotion. They're beginning to pull you away from your commitment. Hey, you always at that church. You always serve. You never got time for our marriage. You never got time for me. Be careful of people that victimize themselves. Because watch this, following Jesus means that some people are going to unfollow you. <laughs> I'm going to say it to this side. Following Jesus means that some people are going to unfollow you. And the reason why a lot and everybody can't come with you, God has for you because you're trying to take everybody with you.